It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, I'm joined by Meow Bun. Meow Pow. It's at Ryan Peacock NFL. What's going on, buddy? Well, I don't know how we're going to explain last night's game. It, that's that's <laughs> what's going on right now. I've been yeah. trying to figure it out all day. I've watched the replays. i watched Condensed. Uh, the highlights, each little video on NFL.com, um, every little video that uh, Nagler's uh, posted on his accounts, and I've still no idea how to sum up what the hell happened. It does not make sense, and it's it's a moment like this that I start getting all nostalgic and stuff, right, where I come in and say, listen, honestly, we've seen life after Aaron to a degree with all of, you know, Brett Hundley, and then even within this game, was kind of like a microcosm, place. right? Yeah, it's, it's a dark, barren land of despair and disappointment. Um, and the same players that overcame that deficit, the fourth largest in Packers history. Um, the, you know, it ties the, the biggest one of Aaron's four-quarter comeback in his career, um, or it might have even been the biggest one of his career. Um, it shows that Barrenland and the likes of Ronaldo and Messi, you know, to look at these players and go, <laughs> we're very lucky that this happened. But I would say, Ryan, for anybody out there um, who couldn't, you know, for whatever circumstance, um, couldn't stay up late enough, you really have to watch the replay of that game as a broadcast and not just the highlights or not whatever because i don't think it gives you that actual flavor of what it was like last night does it so i'll tell you i'll tell you what i got from watching the condensed version again um was at one point obviously aaron Rodgers is playing Mm. and then it literally sort of flicks quickly to the next play and kaiser's in yeah with no explanation of what's happened in between and i'm like what (laughs) yeah yeah it's, um, it's that despair moment though isn't it what I found about it was, it was that we were doing badly and the game was crap Khalil Mack was running all you know just running amok yeah. um, and then it was the injury to Aaron and him holding it it was the drama of him going off and getting carted off and then it was Kaiser coming mm-hmm. in and doing actually quite well when he took the offense because Aaron was you know wasn't doing too what? fresh when he was in he did really well, then made some silly clown-like errors. <laughs> and then Aaron comes back out again. Then there was the drama of, well, he's out and he's still suited. He's got his helmet. Then, oh, he's got his helmet on. Is he actually going to come back out? And then he comes back out. And then it's the drama from there on. So, like, you could watch it from the fourth quarter and go, that was crazy. But to get that, like, up and down of emotion of, dear Jesus, yeah. we're back where we were last season, is to really watch the broadcast from start to finish, even though we've kind of spoiled the ending mm-hmm. for anybody who hasn't who hasn't seen it now. Apologies. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we should have said spoiler alert at the start of that. What I think um, one of one of the things that I wanted to bring up though is, and, and I guess disappointing things is, when did Green Bay fans turn into Boo fans? Like we we had it a yeah. bit last year, obviously when when um, you know Hundley was having his struggles, but again this year within the first half of football, zero on the border and booing. You know. I, yeah. I understand why people boo, and I understand those people that say, oh, I'll pay for my ticket. I've got the right to boo if I want to boo. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see how it helps. You know, I remember, um, and I've travelled to many West Ham games, but I remember particularly travelling to one away at Anfield. Uh, I paid £55 for my ticket and my right to boo that night, but I still didn't boo even at 4 nil down, <laughs> right? And it was on a yeah. dark, horrible night, on a Wednesday night in Liverpool, right? And I think Torres was still playing and people like that. So it was a little while ago. Like at no point did any of the West Ham fans boo. And in fact, they sung the song, We Are 
and we know we are. I'll leave that blanked. Um, do you know what I mean? So I don't know why Green Bay suddenly... I mean, has it always been that way? People people might correct me, people that have been to more games, watched it for more years than me. They might correct me and say, oh, actually, there's always been a bit of that. But I've never had that feeling that actually Packers fans are generally quite positive people that always get behind the team and feel part of the team. And I don't know what's changed mm. in the last few years, but the booing thing seems to be more and more prominent. I don't know. I think it's the millennial influence, if I'm honest. I don't think any old school fan, though, maybe an old school fan will come in oh, and yeah, say, blame the no, young we have arrived. Yeah. Oh, yeah, blame the young people again, right? <laughs> well, we blame the old people on Brexit, so oh, we blame the, like the young people day. on Lambo Boone. No, but I don't know. And again, I don't know. I found it odd because the, the first game that we went to, well, that I could go to was the Dallas one where we got absolutely pasted. And I was surprised that people were booing there. But I always got this yeah. sense. I remember, and I think I've said it on the podcast before, is that Lambo from afar seems so sacred. And the like, I was chewing, chewing him in the stadium and I was kind of thinking like, you know, I was thinking to myself, how how blasphemous would it be to wrap the chewing gum up and just, or even just to drop it on the floor where it is? No one would like, you know, dirty the floors of Lambo. But then after leaving the game, when you're just wading through like so much rubbish, and I'm kind of thinking, how can they do this to Lambo Field? It goes to show that like when you go to regular games, you think about the place probably an awful lot differently than we do. Yeah. Or when uh, after the Chargers game that I went to one year at the end of the game, as you quickly popped in to get rid of all the beer you'd just drunk. And uh, several guys are pissing in the sink. <laughs> Whereas in your head, you're thinking, I'm not doing that. It's Lambeau Field, yeah. you know, but yeah, I suppose. <laughs> That's the problem. And then that, yeah, you know, we, we, saw that, uh, we saw that interview with um, Aaron Rodgers and, and Peter King. And, you know, he leads Aaron to the place in Lambeau Field, which is very hard to get onto the field, by the way. They don't usually let you on the field. They don't let you into the locker rooms either. Um, but he, he stood him on the place that, you know, Bart Starr made that sneak for the in the ice ball and it was like this is where Bart Starr made that play and you know talking about it and it just seems so sacred and then to have you know to think about these drunk lads just pissing in the sink <laughs> I kind of think like really just how Lombardi wanted it huh so Crazy. yeah a bit harrowing yeah. Um, but yeah no I was just going to say so look it, it was a pretty crappy first half right and yeah. there was some bad play mixed in there but I also think let's not discount that the Bears actually came out and played well Okay, so let's forget that Kaiser sort of had his struggles. As you said, didn't start too badly. Then he had a couple of dumb plays, but the Bears actually started quite well. And Trubisky, as I think we said, looked decent. And Jordan Howard is a back that's going to get yards. Yeah. Um, Alan Robinson, you know, he made an insane catch uh, for, for his big play down the right-hand side. Mm. So I don't think we should beat ourselves up too much. Obviously, the problem we had was you know, when, when Aaron Rodgers went out were the problems that we're always going to have if Aaron Rodgers goes out. Um, but I didn't think it was terrible, which is what I think surprised me so much about about the booing. Now, I get it. It's because the Bears were beating us at Lambeau Field. But I think I think don't discount how the Bears played. I mean, defense, they were kind of lights out, right? And we expected that. Um, mm. But that's just my feeling on the game. People might tell me that's that's crap and shut up and that's fine. No, I, I, do you know what? It's it's a bit rusty. And what I will say about the defense is is that it definitely is a work in progress. What really shocked me, a couple of things shocked me um, yesterday and a couple of takes that when I watched it initially, I was like, I wrote it down and I was like, that's that's not great. That's something to mention. But then when I replayed it, I was like, actually, he made a valiant effort. One of those was, as you mentioned, the Alan Robinson catch. And that was against Jair Alexander, um, if memory mm-hmm. serves me right. And what I, what I remember thinking yeah. there was, is yes, that was ridiculous from Robinson. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, could that ball have been contested more? And is that where Alexander is going to is gonna suffer because of his height? But when I replayed it today, 
Yeah, because he's shorter, and like uh, you know, I've look, I've I've been the brunt of plenty plenty of short jokes in my time. I'm not going to hark on and really? give the guy a break. Yeah, believe it or not, right? I know six foot two. I've you never think. noticed. I know, I know. Um, and Irish, no one ever, barely anybody mentions that. So you know, I was sort of thinking, is that a height thing with him? Is that going to be a problem? But then when I looked at the effort that he put in, I just saw that it was just a clutch play from Robinson. Like for him to pull that down was ridiculous. Alexander yeah. was flailing his arms. He he. It's like he did get to exactly where the ball should have been, but Robinson just plucked it out of the air, just showed the absolute raw talent. And to kind of show you, you know, how much they've upgraded is that their number one wide receiver um, was traded during the offseason and actually didn't even make the roster of where he was traded to. So that's going to go to show you sort of how Alan Robinson stepped in, you know, and really just became the number one bell cow. And he was one of the leading receivers when he was in uh, Jacksonville, albeit, you know, last year he was injured. Yeah, up until his injury as well, he was possibly, you know, one of the best best receivers in the league, you would say, up up until his injury. And the other thing as well is, on our defense, like Robinson, as good as he played, was held to sixty-one yards. Yeah, you know we we had three players with more yards than that receiving. Yeah, seven targets with four receptions. So I mean, you know, we nearly shut him down for half of his plays, um, which was very impressive. Um, another thing that kind of struck me and kind of scared the bejesus out of me at the start of the game, um, as I I talk about being persecuted for being Irish, then I throw in the word bejesus. But anyway, is that when they were going through, they were like Chris Collins, where it was like, let's look at the defensive makeup, you know, and they went on and they looked at it now, and Mike Daniels. Yeah, here's a guy. But Mike Daniels didn't come up and I was like, is he injured? Did did, did something happen in warm-ups? I mean, why isn't he out there? Why didn't he come up and, you know, have his sort of, you know, no-nonsense face, you know, tell him where he went to college? And then I was sort of looking at, no, it's because of the amount of different packages that Mike Petton made. Now, Ryan, I don't know, and I don't know how you feel about it. I don't know whether Mike Petton was doing all the creative stuff solely because, you know, he's trying to get whatever line up works, whether he's trying to try out some of those, you know, look multiple, all the stuff that he's been telling us that he's going to do. Is this going to be what Mike Petton does? Or is he literally just only doing it because he's trying to get a feel for it? The same as a manager would who takes over a soccer yeah. team and plays, you know, so many different combinations in defense till he gets his best one. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. I think there's a little bit of, I think it's probably by design in the fact that look how... I guess the the Packers' offense was struggling a bit with the way the Bears' defense was setting up. And I think early on, the Bears' defense was certainly on top as it went to the second half and and further on in the game. And yes, okay, Aaron Rodgers was back, but we started to be able to find the holes, find the gaps. We we started to be able to block the guys up front. So Mm. I think much like the Bears' defense... Sorry. I think much like how our offense managed to figure out what the Bears were doing and then mm. counter it. Maybe Petten feels that if he continually changes the way it looks, the personnel, the packages and everything else, then an offense playing against that defense can't start to get the read of it because it constantly changes. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's a good point to raise because, you know, let's let's get it from the horse's mouth. Mitch Trubisky, or Mitchell, as I think he's, he's supposed to be known. What What is with all the quarterbacks in their division not wanting the... The name shortened. I mean, Matt Stafford wants to be called Matthew Stafford. I digress. But good old Mitchy Boy came out and says... How do you shorten Aaron? Say it again? Is it just... How do you shorten Aaron? Well, it's, you know, the, the real one is, uh, you know, our Lord Almighty, Aaron, <laughs> you know, Godger Rogers. Um, so, you know, Aaron Rogers going to shorten it. And he's okay nice with it. Nice girl. So... Yeah, right. Um, so he came out and said that when they came out and they were, you know, trying to, to keep the lead effectively to stop the Packers marching, 
um, that they expected the Packers to be playing man, especially when it came to third and long, but they didn't, and that's what really confused them. And as well as that, yeah. number one point that I mentioned, and I've, Ryan, I don't know if you've heard this before, um, <clears throat> pre-prod, is that um, <laughs> is this- Aaron Rodgers went and mentioned that, would you believe, uh, that <laughs> although we gave up uh, 23 points, only 16 of those were on the defense because Kaiser dumped off that sort of like clown of the week pass to Khalil Mack straight to be his, uh, straight into the breadbasket. Yeah, like somebody did mention that. They did. And then I was scared to death that you would mention it then after. Uh, but, you know, 16 points. And like what Aaron <laughs> said, is that if the defense only give up 16 points, an NFL quarterback, especially of his caliber, is expected to at least score 17 and win. You know, is that he's, he's yeah. meant to surmount 16. points. That's two touchdowns on, sure. you know, on a safety, let's say. So, I mean, you know, yeah, so you're definitely supposed to get this, over that. This is probably the point, as, as, as you make that point. It was a really good point. You, you did mention it in pre-pod, and uh, I did think I was going to steal it from you, but I thought I'd let you have your moment. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's one of them where this is kind of where we need to be realistic. Okay, lots and lots of new players on the defence, lots of young players on the defence. And exactly as you just said there, Trubitsky is a, court, a good quarterback. I think, I think he will be uh, a quarterback that will get better, but he currently is a good quarterback. They have good running backs in in Howard and Cohen. Uh, Cohen didn't see much of the ball last night, but they do have a good one-two punch there. Um, and as we've already said, that Robinson's a good receiver and there are others on the team. So, as you said, if you only give up 16 points in today's NFL, there's not many games where a team gets less than that. Like even yeah. the Browns and the Steelers, as bad as that game was, I think, what did that end? 21 each, was it? Or something <laughs> so- like that? It was so ridiculous. That game was just absolutely shocking. The whole missed field goals thing. The Browns being the Browns. Dear God. I I was watching that as a Browns fan. I'm going, come on, guys. I want to. I want to tell my tell my kids and tell my grandkids one day where I was when the Browns finally won that football game. Um, but it didn't happen. Uh, so there you go. But um, yeah. Look, if we only give up 16 points on our defense, then that's got to be a positive day. Yes, there can be things to fix. You know, I've seen loads and loads of stuff on social media, people having a having a go again about Clay Matthews. Um, I think that's mainly down to that one play uh, where he essentially got the read wrong on the option. Guess what? That's what an offense, on offense, that is what a read option play is designed to do. It's supposed to confuse you. And, and let's face it, if he went for one of the other options, the option is there for that player in, in possession of the ball at that moment to flip the ball to somebody else. That's why it is mm. a read option. So, yes, he looks stupid. Yes, he ends up running into his own linebacker and being sort of face-planted into the floor. But <laughs> I feel like Clay Matthews has become the new hate figure for the Green Bay Packers fans at the minute. And it's like, if things are going badly, let's all blame Clay Matthews because he seems to be the easy target. And I think it's unfair. I think we only jump on it when he does something wrong, when he does something good. We don't really mention it. And and I just think there was a bit of that again last night. And at the end of the day, exactly as you said, and very well put, just 16 points yeah the, the only thing i will say about clay is is that on that particular play where he missed uh trubisky and he ran in for the touchdown at least it was in the area you know it wasn't a case where he completely blown it got knocked on his ass <laughs> albeit after the play happened as you said by his own player and um, but at least he was in the area the one that really bothered me and seemed to bother him and he even said that had his ipad charges up ready to hand back to brian gudekunst was the one where it was the rough on the passer on fourth down um yeah you know it yeah do you know what? It, it, you it's can't akin that. to. I get that. No, you can't. And he, he's that experienced that you can't do it. Now, we've seen an awful lot of our experienced players. I think Nick Perry got done from one. Did he? Nick Perry and maybe more Wilkerson earlier in the game. So there was an awful lot of rough in the pass or where they could have pulled out of the pass, but they didn't. And Clay, we all know, likes to put a lick on someone. We've seen him tackle uh, Colin Kaepernick outside the. Uh, 
you know, the sideline before. And we used to have these jokes that, you know, look at um, Colin Kaepernick wearing Clay Matthews as a necklace. Um, and that was just a dirty hit. That was a dirty tackle. And he did it to kind of, you know, put you on your arse and show you that this is the way. Now, I think he said in yeah. prior years that he would have just got it taken off because you can see that he sort of, I don't know whether it's faux tries to F-A-U-X is the word of the podcast. I don't know whether he sort of faux tries to pull out of it and um, because he doesn't wrap up and he kind of just bumps him to the ground and um, because we've seen him do that with the likes of Russell Wilson and then he doesn't help him up off the ground. You know, Clay can be a bit temperamental like that, but it kind of reminded me, and this is a reference that not many people are going to get, is that when Ireland were going for the Grand Slam the first time for, I think it was like 40 years or maybe even 60 years, it was like an incredibly <laughs> long time. And I think it was, was a Paddy Jackson he came on and he made a boneheaded tackle to give the Welsh a chance to kick and win the game. And we'd have, we wouldn't have won the Grand Slam. Um, and they went and I, your man, he was probably, his name was Williams or Jones. And he got up and he kicked the ball and it just went just underneath the crossbar. And I was like going, holy Jesus, this is where everyone's just saying it to telly. Don't make a mistake. Don't give them an easy out. And all of a sudden you give away a penalty like that rough in the pass or play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ryan, a man of Clay's calibre. And again, he only recorded one solo yeah. tackle the whole game. Uh, this is the game that, remember I said on pre on the sort of, you know, the 10-minute takeaway, I said he has to show his worth in this game because of the amount of pets talked about him. To that regard, I don't think he did. Okay. So you're just a hater. Um, but <laughs> no, no, I totally get it. Yeah, yeah, you're just one of them. Just one of the haters. Um, I'm staying firmly in the Clay Matthews club for now. Uh, mainly because we have the same haircut, obviously. Um, yeah. But look, well done to you again. Uh, props for not only using the word foe, but for somehow relating it to Ireland. I like that. And um, <laughs> I think the the other thing is, like, if, if we get back to, obviously, the penalty, because, yes, I've just sort of tried to defend him a bit. The one thing that is undefendable is that situation, giving that penalty away. Now, I think our defence has needed to be more aggressive. It's needed to maybe lay a lick for, for you know, at times. Mm. that There's always, if you think of the mean defences over the years in the NFL, um, sort of every... Every team's had its guy that's going to do something a bit over the line, a bit naughty, whatever. If you're going to do that, kind of do it on first down when they're starting on their 10 or their 15, you know? If, if you really want to sort of send a message to QB and make him scared every time he gets a rush and get him sort of getting a bit shaky and a bit nervy, that do it there on first down, you know, maybe... Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying it's yeah. the right thing to do, but if you're thinking in your head as a defence, well, I want to send a message here, and I'm happy to give up 10 yards to send that message and get the guy scared or or maybe even, I don't know, I don't think it goes through their heads. Maybe, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Maybe even lay a lick on and see if you can take a guy out, whatever. Then you've got to think of doing it in the right situation. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Not that we condone, uh, you know, any type of saints-like activity. I'm, I'm not condoning it, but, you know, when I think back to sort of, you know, when I, I I didn't play it for too long, but when I was playing linebacker, playing full contact at times, yes, if you're being killed by a, a QB that's just ripping the crap out of you, which I often did because I played for a very bad team that lost a lot, then sometimes we'd resort to, we're going to have to do something about it. And so you, when you <laughs> did finally break through the line and the ball had already gone, sometimes you did have to, you Think know, take off. a drop and roll on someone's ankles or whatever. I don't know, <laughs> you know. I, Ryan. I'm sure I was Ryan. never I was never involved get... in anything like that. But I'm just saying, find the right time to do it. <laughs> I am giving you the chance right now. Do I edit that part out or do I leave that part in? I would leave it in. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm quite. I'm. I'm being quite serious about it. You know, there are probably times to lay a lick on somebody. It's not on fourth down when you're about to get the ball back. Oh and yeah, certainly not. At the other I, end I, of the field. Yeah. 
And the thing is, is that, look, I understand the whole pop because I know that uh, Jeff Fisher used to do with the Rams where he'd say he'd get the defense to, to play a certain way. So even to their own players, he'd say just after the whistle, even after the whistle's gone, just give them a jab, give them a pop, let them know you're there. And yeah. that would that'd end even up Even just knock them to the floor. Like, yeah, yeah, put them on their arse. Just, just do something to make them, make them know. So then that next time when you burst through, you're not going to give another penalty away, but he's thinking, shit, I need to get the ball off. You probably should blank that bit out because I swore. Yeah. But um, he's thinking I've got to get the ball off quick because this guy's now coming again. Last time he smashed me after the ball went. You know, it just gets him thinking about something else. I'm just, I don't know if anybody out there's played full contact football or whatever. I'm pretty sure if you played on the defensive side of the ball, at times you've used that sort of tactic or a coach has come and whispered it in your ear to go and use that kind of tactic. That's what I'm saying. But All just right. use it at the right time. Right. But anyway, we've probably spoke about all the bad stuff enough. We should get on to the positive stuff. Um, but I will tell you one thing. Um, Morrison, the new linebacker wearing number 44. Mm. All night long, I could only think that for some reason James Starks was playing on defense. Yeah, it was all really night. upsetting. Every time I saw on, 44, just, just James Starks, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I can't get that out of my head. So It could be, though. It's going to take a while for him to win me over. Because Starks did an awful lot of his career at the very end, running sideline to sideline. So maybe it is still James Starks. <laughs> no, that, is that unfair? That's unfair, isn't that's it? That's really harsh. Um, You're saying, yeah, you'd be great I, in coverage. Yeah. Here's a key stat for you. Clay Matthews, one total uh, tackle, one solo. Who else on the team <laughs> matches that stat? For one total tackle? Yeah. Um... Deshaun Kaiser, I'm going to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, and a fairness, yeah. he did it I'm just thinking, Max, he, he so. was the guy that made the tackle, were you? Yeah, yeah. he was, yeah. That was good, wasn't it? Okay. So, look, <laughs> all right. I've, I'm trying my best here to defend him. And I did just say as well, I officially put the official mark in that it was the end of negativity and onto positivity. And you've broke the rule and gone back to negativity. I'm just saying it's I'm very saying. positive. Just it's saying. very positive that Deshaun Kaiser, well, when, he had, when he dumps the ball I'm off. I'm reporting you. <laughs> I'm reporting you to the podcast police. Podcast police? No. Yeah, is that a thing? Yeah, we make it a thing. No, I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, first off, all right, so we, we go from, let's go to the positives then. Let's go to the stuff that's funny. So Deshaun Kaiser getting strip sacked <laughs> where Mac actually recovers the ball was literally like candy from a baby. That was really funny. And then second off is when he got tackled. See, that reminded me of the Clay Matthews one from years back when he yeah. uh, literally just runs up, sort of takes the ball and off he went. That was brilliant. And it, But at this time, it was the wrong way around. Alan, was that the one where uh, no one realised that the, the play wasn't called dead and he kept shouting at people, pick up the ball, pick up the ball, and then went over, just picked it up and ran it in? No, Remember no. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah. That's when uh, Jarrett Boykin, I believe, picked up the ball and went in. Ah. Yeah, there was uh, Aaron Rodgers got hit, I believe, when he threw. I'm trying to remember who that was against. And it just bobbled across the floor. And everyone's screaming and then Jarrett Boykin picks it up and goes in for a touchdown. Hilarious. Absolutely yeah, hilarious. can't remember who it was against, but it was definitely number 11 that picked it up. Yeah. But I tell you what, and the positives as well. So the Sean Kaiser, we saw him as kind of unpolished, but when he came on, he really got the offense moving. And, and at that stage, Aaron Rodgers wasn't able to get the moving. And the Bears were playing absolutely lights out. Um, and again, Khalil Mack, we're going to have to talk about him, even though it's more of, if you want to keep it on the vein of positivity, maybe it's just positive for the Bears. So the stat last night was is that he was the first player since 1982 with a sack, an interception, a touchdown, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery in a single half of football. So he's absolutely dominant. Now, just Pretty for... impressive, but he still has zero wins. Yeah, true. It's the, actually, do you know what? The Cleveland Browns did better. Than the Bears. <laughs> it's pretty depressing. Thank you, Lil Mac. 
But one thing I will say, and, and Collinsworth said it last night, was that Aaron Rodgers, now I don't know how true it is, is that although, you know, no one likes to see anybody get injured, we've seen that that's not true because we've seen some really vile stuff come out, especially when Aaron got injured by um, Anthony Barr. Uh, but he said that this is a player that, you know, people tune in, even Bears fans, because they're entertained to see what he'll do. Um, now, Khalil Mack, in some kind of sick, twisted way, as long as they don't beat us and as long as he doesn't injure anybody, he brings in a very exciting dimension to the NFC North in the sense that this guy looks pretty unstoppable. Um, and with Akeem Hicks um, in there as well, who's just super dominant too, um, you know, they really have a pretty strong, frightening-looking defense, and it kind of makes the win all the more you know, majestic, I guess, that there was that much pressure. Now, just for sort of sadomasochistic reasons, it's the second word of the podcast, especially after dark, um, is that I looked at some of what the Bears beat writers were saying and they attributed their loss to the fact um, that Roquan Smith, who came in and got a sack on his first play of his NFL career, which was impressive, albeit, you know, he was working off Mac trying to, you know, get the quarterback to go the opposite direction. Um, and also uh, Khalil Mack. So he's saying that the two of those guys, they're, you know, they didn't really, they couldn't stand over their conditioning so that they got tired. And because they got tired, everything fell apart. And didn't once mention mm-hmm. the fact that Kyle Fuller, who we made the Bears pay an awful lot of money for, um, had that ball in and out of his hands. And Cannot he had two interceptions. It, it's unbelievable, Ryan. <laughs> two interceptions he had last year when he dropped six interceptions last year. He could have had an absolutely mind-blowing season last season. But because he can't catch the ball, this type of stuff happens. He catches that ball, the game is over, no doubt. Um, mm-hmm. And just yeah, yeah. another positive that we can take from their negative. So, I mean, they made brain-headed uh, you know, plays. Um, the Bears did, and it didn't all come down to just Mack and Smith, who was kind of a non-factor in the game after that one sack, as tiring, I don't think. Yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't come back with anything. I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, I did think that, yes, obviously Mack looked good. Yes, we'd like Mack to be on our defence. Um, but I do think there's just one moment in in Khalil's Mack uh, in Khalil Mack's game, sorry, where he's laid on the floor as Randall Cobb runs in past him and he's stretched out and the game's lost, where he suddenly realised what it meant to be a bear. <laughs> yeah. Although he knows now he can kind of start, you know, planning his annual leave. He can make sure that he goes off yep. and gets a nice holiday in in the Alps on January and February when the snow was all nice and fluffy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you know yourself. So anyway, let's stay along the positive vein then. What other positives can you take then from the game? I think there are a good few, but um, what, what are some of the ones that would yeah, have stood look, out to you to sort of save your stuff to build on? So one for me is that obviously Rogers came back onto the field because if he stays off the field then, and I'm not just bashing Deshaun Kaiser, but Deshaun Kaiser's not going to take us to the playoffs and Super Bowl in the NFC North. It's too strong. So one mm. obviously massive positive is he's back. Now, I think you touched on it earlier, um, or maybe it was in pre-pod, I can't remember. Um, but... Aaron Rodgers obviously has come out and he said he will play next week. Not his exact words, can't remember him, but he definitely said in one of the interviews, you know, I will be playing next week. Simple as that. So I know that I think I saw it in a Domofsky tweet um, where McCarthy has come out and said that, you know, nothing's confirmed yet. Um, but if, you, if your quarterback's been out there, played a half of football, um, and he says he's playing next week, then I'm pretty sure he's going to line up and play next week. Um, so there's a big positive because... Obviously, when he went off on that cart, I think everybody was like, really, season over, week one. Um, mm. 
let's face it, that's I think that's the thought that went through most people's mind when they saw the cart coming on the field and him try and get up and then collapse back to the floor. I think that's what probably we were thinking. So Rogers is back in, but I've got to say the one positive for me, uh, sorry, not not positive. There's lots of positives. The one moment for me I want to talk about is the Geronimo Allison catch uh, because mm. it was a fantastic catch, only bettered probably by the throw itself from Aaron Rodgers. I mean, how yeah. the hell, how the hell do you hit that spot like that, that distance, at that speed, balancing on one leg or whatever it is you're doing, and you can hit it in the exact place. I mean, yeah. the cornerback couldn't have been any closer to Geronimo Allison, and the ball is just perfectly placed. So the cornerback, as close as he is, is still a million miles away. He got away with offensive pass interference, I think he kind of pushed off. But that kind of highlights your point, the fact that there was actually zero separation where Allison had to kind of give him a yeah. shove in the chest to try and make that space. But here's the question for you, Ryan, then. From, for everybody that sort of said that Geronimo Allison wasn't the legitimate third wide receiver and that he might not make the roster, you know, do you see yeah, him now on. as being kind of a stalwart in this offense now? Or do you believe in Allison yeah. after this one game? Uh, yeah, I absolutely do. And I, and I actually believe he's the number two receiver on the team. Um, he's the guy that's lining up opposite because Randall Cobb is the slot guy, right? And the slot guy is the third guy. But Gmo is is without doubt the number two guy. And he's going to, I think he's going to do really nicely this year, actually. And I've picked him up late in a few of my fantasy teams. So I think mm-hmm. as the season goes on, we'll start to see some real numbers. And at some point, he's going to have a big game, I think. Yeah, I, I'm very interested to see what the Packers can do against the Vikings in the upcoming game. Now, I know we're going to go through that game with the 10-minute takeaway, which is a podcast and a video podcast. A video cast, did we say? Uh, that's going to come out on Thursday yeah. night. Um, so again, if anybody's not sort of used to the the process now, it's the podcast of a Monday night and now also of a Thursday for your listening pleasure. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the defense are going to come up against the likes of a Vikings offense because I almost think that the Vikings offense who, you know, Kirk Cousins is not afraid to sling the ball around. You know, we shut down the tight end for the Bears last night, but Kyle Rudolph got his first inter- his first reception of the game, which I actually think was could have possibly been a touchdown uh, very late in the game. So... I'd be interested to see the sort of the different strategy, mostly because the Bears, if you watch the game the whole way through, like it's the same sort of stuff that they're going through, right? It's it's the short passes, um, you know, it's the passing to to the running backs, um, it's the running backs sort of breaking out lanes, and they're they're not going between the tackles. It's they're running to the outside, mostly to their left side, and um, is what I sort of found. And I don't know if that's a that's a real stat or just something that I pulled out of my arse, uh, but certainly every time I saw a run break off for big yardage it was always off to the left side um so i'm just wondering what will happen if you know our, our defense comes up against a team that has that big mm-hmm. playability because in effect that's how we bet the bears was that play, big playability like you said it was that pass to Jeronimo allison which i think yeah. was 39 yards and then that pass to randall cobb which so, was yeah. all the play breaking down that was 75 yards um which was just bonkers um, I want to ask you a question on that because you, you've just touched on Randall Cobb there and obviously you asked me the question about Gmo, uh, mm. not Gmo, sorry, Geronimo Allison. Um, you asked me about him and saying, like, are, are we happy now he's a legitimate sort of receiver on, on the team, whatever. But yeah. I guess in the other direction, Randall Cobb, where a lot of people were saying that maybe the guy's done. Um, there's been people saying, you know, maybe we should look to trade. Uh, more more so at the sort of end of last season, but certainly in the off season it came up again. 
Randall Cobb comes back week one, nine receptions, 142 yards, a touchdown. And as you said, 75 yards mm. for the touchdown. So Randall Cobb is quite clearly sending a message. He's not done. He's certainly part of this offense. You've got to be happy with what we saw from him last night, right? Absolutely, because I expected to see more from Jimmy Graham, mostly because he's on my fantasy team. But second off is because yeah, of all this receptions. hype. Yeah, two receptions for eight yards. But on, on a more serious note, like we have Lance Kendricks, Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, all these big-bodied, uh, effectively receivers in this in the middle of the field. Yet Randall Cobb, like he did last year, even when Martellus Bennett was playing, we saw most of it actually go to Cobb with almost the tight ends acting as decoys or blockers. Um, and Randall Cobb, look, what stands out most about him is is that if you look at the average um, yards per catch, so Devontae Adams, 17.6. Randall Cobb, 15.8. Ronham Allison, not too far behind at 13.8. There's not much of a difference there. But where Randall Cobb is absolutely invaluable to this team, obviously, is in his big playability. He got the dagger play, and he's after getting this play now. And I found it funny that Aaron Rodgers came out and said... The Bears must hate um, yeah, absolutely. Like, and the thing is that he's obviously not coverable because they, they, can't, they just can't seem to do it. But if you look at the receptions and targets, Devontae Adams, uh, eight targets five receptions Geronimo Allison eight targets five receptions Randall Cobb ten targets with nine receptions with only one of them you know mm -hmm. going foul so the fact is is that Randall yeah, Cobb yeah. consistently is trusted by Aaron Rodgers is targeted a lot maybe on the short stuff um, but also he has the most reliable hands on that team in my opinion and certainly by the stats and that's what we saw last year even when people were calling for his head and wondering what was going on we prove that he might only be targeted four times a game, but he catches all four of those balls. And most of the time it's because the play breaks down and he knows where to be. And that's where, to answer your question, yeah. I think he's a very valuable part of this team. Um, he, you know, he play, he's a, one of the best slot receivers in the game. And the fact that he can, you mm -hmm. know, make it 75 yards down the field um, and, yeah, and just see it. Now, obviously the field opened up in front of him and that all falls down to Aaron Rodgers making that play. But they, they asked yeah. him about it, um, Aaron, in the press conference, didn't they? And they sort of said, you know, what was going through your head in that play? What did you see? And he sort of said, you know, it was the, it was the subtle nuance of how Randall had pulled off to the left or the right that he knew to read it and, and he hit him with that play. And if you yeah. actually look at that play, it ne nearly gets slapped down or picked off by a Bears player who dives in front of it, but it's put absolutely on the money. And that's yeah. just stuff that you cannot buy. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Randall Cobb's coming from the right-hand side of the field across to the left, and you see that Rodgers look that way, but everything's kind of jammed up. And Randall Cobb and Rodgers have this understanding where Cobb just stops on a sixpence, goes back the other way. Rodgers has already seen it, throws the ball. Perfection. Yeah. Um, and obviously a lot of these other guys are quite new to the team, um, quite new to maybe playing with the first team uh, in that sense. Adams and Cobb. Maybe you've got that bit more experience with Rodgers and you're going to see that at times from them. Um, and that's something that you just got to, I guess, you won't have from day one as a receiver, but certainly you'll develop over the years of being being with that quarterback. And that's that's obviously why as well you've seen players like um, Rodgers and Jordy do that so well. But yeah. when Rodgers went down, Jordy Nelson um, maybe didn't have the same effect. There maybe wasn't the understanding. And of course, James Jones, who did sort of go on a little tour of, I think, uh, the Raiders, maybe then the Giants, and then back to us. And why, when he came back to us, suddenly he looks like this amazing receiver again, which he was. Mm. He was an amazing receiver, but he just didn't have the same kind of chemistry with those other quarterbacks when he played in different places. So certainly with Cobb, there's a massive advantage in that. And that understanding between him and Rodgers, I think you're going to see that on occasion more and more um, this season. And, and, and certainly, hopefully, it always leads to 
plays like we saw last night. And another thing that stood out for me was is that there was a certain stage in the third quarter that Aaron just kept hitting Allison because he just kept working. Now, whether that's because he was getting a favourable matchup or whether it was because Allison was really getting that just enough separation on those really quick throws because that's what it was all about, that no huddle getting the ball out fast. And that really impressed me. But a question that I have for you, Rhino, is, is that we're going to see a similar defence. Like, um, Actually, we're going to see a better defence in the Vikings. What didn't work about the tight end position? Why didn't Jimmy Graham get more catches, do you think? Do you think it's going to come good? And is he going to have the same problem, do you reckon, against the Vikes because it is such a stiff D? Um, I think, yeah, the Vikings' defence is definitely a step up from the Bears as much as they have Mac. Um, and they you know, they have big players. Trevathan's another one I think you mentioned before when we were looking at the game ahead. Mm. Um, but... In terms of why have the tight ends not become more a part of the game, I don't know. Um, maybe it's, it's hard to tell, really. I mean, in the first half, let's face it, not much worked. Uh, yeah. In the second half, essentially, what was working was his wideouts. And I guess whether as well, there was a little bit of, obviously, Rogers was a bit hurt. Maybe they left the tight ends to sort of, sort of stay home a bit more maybe try and put the extra protection in for Rogers. Um, so maybe it was more um, that either they were just staying as that extra lineman or they were staying, there was a block and then a release and go. Um, and so therefore they were never really in part of the game plan at that point. I don't know. Um, certainly I don't think it's anything to worry about. I mean, Rogers, we've seen, we've seen what he does with tight ends over the years. Um, he can make average tight ends look amazing uh, I think it's certainly the, the Rodgers-Jimmy Graham is going to be huge. So I wouldn't be too worried about last night. He had two receptions, one of seven and one of one yard. So I wouldn't be too worried about that. Um, but the one that did get, uh, what I've noticed as well, if you look on some of the stats on NFL.com, it, it gives you um, the leaders on the team in terms of separation from their, mm. their defence. And Lance Kendricks had on average, 4.17 yards separation from his defender. Wow. Now, the next best on the team, Jimmy Graham at 2.71 yards from his defender. Okay? So they're open, they're there, they're available. I just think maybe as it went on into the second half and Rodgers was hurt, maybe they were staying home more or maybe he was just going to his hot hands. Guys that had already caught the ball, had already done something, already gone up the field. So... Who knows? Certainly what we what I do know is that as the season goes on, as things get colder in Green Bay, those guys will become a big part of the offense. Yeah, and I think part of it as well for me was is that we didn't find ourselves in the red zone a whole lot. So it's not a case where Jimmy Graham, that's where he shines. You talk about his wingspan. And also because we're effectively chasing a game, maybe they weren't far enough upfield to try to get those big chunks of gains because we saw all of our scoring sure. plays, you know, 39 yards, 75 yards. You don't want to Devontae Adams. You know, he had a lot to do on that to try sort of be evasive um, and to get in yeah. uh, across the pylon. So, you know, I'd say it's largely down to just, you know, situational. And I don't think it's anything to worry about um, because we all know the calibre that Jimmy Graham is and obviously for Aaron Rodgers to be able to find him. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, should we... Yeah build up a greater lead and not be sort of chasing our tails at the start. Um, I reckon that's when we see the tight end sort of shine where we get sort of, you know, big enough chunk yardage uh, to these guys yeah. who are just slinging it up. And as well as that, Ryan, I think, you know, the more Geronimo Allison keeps stepping up, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobbs, the more they show the fact that these are the, you know, the absolute triple threat that we believe that they are, uh, the more. And, and then, look, Ty Montgomery last night. So two receptions, 
uh, three targets, two receptions, 21 yards. That's a 10.5 yard average. Nice but the average, fact yeah. that, you know, he was still trying to, to grind it out against a really, really stout run defense um, in the Bears. Yeah. So I just think that the more weapons that we show that we have, the more that they're going to have to pick their poison and the more that people will shine. But look, it's the first game yeah. back. Um, to summarize the game, is that a typical game that we're going to see from the heart attack pack this season, <laughs> Rhino? I mean, you well, know, just come back face, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, let's face it, if we look at seasons, uh, seasons gone by, then this seems to be the Green Bay Packers' way of winning. Um, unfortunately as well sometimes of losing but mainly if we win we do not seem to run away with games anymore we like to do it this way so um, I think many fans um, would have probably been surprised last night over here in the UK obviously half time was what maybe sort of nearing half past two in the morning um, yeah. last night um, there's probably a lot of guys that thought do you know what at this score I'm going to go to bed and then they woke up in the morning and bang um, so that is true uh, you can never go to bed on the Green Bay Packers um, because something's going to happen right down to the very end. And, and particularly with Aaron Rodgers, you're always going to be in a game. But hopefully, you know, uh, some games coming up will be a bit easier to watch and a bit easier to enjoy. I don't know if that's going to be the Vikings next week. I think that one's going to be a real <laughs> ding-dong battle back and forward. Um, and it's it's going to be a real tight division. And if, if we think that the Packers and the Vikings are the two strongest teams in the division... Mm. Um, then obviously these head-to-heads are incredibly important mm. and uh, we'll probably get a bit of a going on the hype that everybody else has given the Vikings. Our performance against them next week will obviously give us a measuring stick as to where we actually are at. You know, if, if we were having yeah. sort of a college-style rankings right now, I think that the the Associated Press and everybody else would have the Vikings ranked above us. So the Packers need to go out there and make a point and show us actually that, you know, it will be our division banner this year and we still are the strongest team in the division. Yeah, and I watched that Vikings game as well and Kirk Cousins, according to uh, me, uh, is the real deal. I think he's he's good. The brother-in-law was a Redskins fan, still is. Um, unfortunately, if I'm allowed to use that apparently non-PC uh, phrase. Um, Washington. So, yeah, Washington. say Washington. Yeah, down in Washington. Um yeah, so the you know he was used to him. Uh, he's t- allegedly, according to the stats, pretty terrible in the red zone. Uh, but I didn't see any sort of yeah. rustiness, any pressure on him. Even though before the game he was talking about the fact that an awful lot of people uh, want him to fail. Um, so mm-hmm. a, a nice he's got import, two good receivers uh, as well. It makes it a lot easier for him. Thielen and Diggs, you know, they are the real deal as as a, a one two punch. That they're, they're you know in the receiving game, and that's brilliant. Um, but did you see though uh, a little less allegedly? Uh, he's apparently trademarked the uh, phrase "you like that." Oh. Do you think that's a bit mental? Yeah, I, I like this. What does jokes that mean? Like, does make a if you walk down the street in Dublin and you say to your mate, "You like that?" Like, does someone just pop out and go, um, 10 p please"? Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, or you know, you sort of you meet a girl and you go home and. <laughs> 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 Hold on, let me let me move away from this. This is getting too blue. Um, so a few nice stats from last night that were on the broadcast that I quite liked. Um, because this game, this next game is going to be at Lambeau as well. So Aaron Rodgers, his first twelve starts has gone six and six at Lambeau. Thereafter, he was fifty to eight, which is now fifty one to eight, which is quite quite incredible. Mm-hmm. And for all of you Bears fans who we know like to tune into the UK Packers podcast, is that it was the largest <laughs> halftime lead that the Bears have had over Green Bay since 1948. 
which is quite incredible that he came back to uh, to win that game. Um, I think that kind of wraps up the game, unless you have anything else to say it, or forever it, hold your it peace. It does. Well, I've got one big thing I wanted to bring up with you. Um, you mentioned earlier that uh, about beat writers, yeah? Did I? Okay. And you pronounced it, yeah, and you pronounced it beat writers, okay? Beat writers. So I wondered yeah. why, when you say that a team beat another team, you always say that they bet them. The bet them, like, yeah. is that What is that? <laughs> yeah. So why are they not is a bet writer? Is that, an, is that an Irish thing? Like, you know, like, oh, uh, know. did you beat him? Yeah, I bet him. <laughs> Do you not say bet? No? You always just say, I beat him? No. Beat may, yeah. sounds like it's a physical altercation. Like, I bet him. I thought it was like a different pronunciation of the same word. No. It's probably not important for anybody else listening to the podcast right now, but I just thought it was something we needed to clear up before we go forward. Yeah, because it still would be B-E-A-T. You know, like, <laughs> I, I bet on that horse. You know what I mean? It's not the same as, like, I bet yeah. the horse. Well, you wouldn't want to beat on the horse, would you? Because then no. you'd probably get in trouble for punching a horse. <laughs> but there's, there's slight nuances to this Irish English that you need to, you know, get on board here. And, uh, <laughs> I know, if I'm you, getting if more you, used if to If you it. bet someone, like, they bet them last night, would you never say that, No. Well, you probably don't because you're a West Ham fan and they don't beat anybody <laughs> apart from that. Yeah, you're quite right. You're quite right. <laughs> <laughs> you're inexperienced in that. Ah, okay. I'll stop there as you've managed to bring up West Ham. Yeah, yeah fun times. Never mind. Um, one thing we should probably say, we did touch on the uh, Vikings game next week. Obviously, next next week is our first meet-up of the season in London. London, baby. And we, uh, we are going to be at... We are going to be at... Are we? The... Um, <laughs> Well, we are oh, having it confirmed. Uh, there, so there's been a lot of things on uh, online in in terms of the uh, Hippodrome Casino in Leicester Square, where we've been what four or five times before, I think, and mm. and those living in London have probably been there a hell of a lot of times more because it's the place to go to watch American football. Um, it used to be run by a social media account called NFL in London. Uh, guy that runs that is actually a Bears fan, um, but don't hold that against him. Um, but he's now sort of broken away and he's gone and done some things in some other bars. Um, and Hippodrome Casino say they are still showing American football on Sundays. Um, they're just kind of doing it themselves. And this uh, and, and uh, I'm sure his name is Wade, if I remember, um, has gone off and he's going to go and run it in a different bar. So we're trying to figure out at the minute, are the casino definitely still doing it or do we need to find another bar nearby? What will definitely happen is we will still be in London having a meet-up. Um, and we'll try and get this cleared up as quickly as possible. As far as I see it, we'll still be at the casino um, because they're saying they are still showing it. Um, basically, we will just turn up and take over the place and we'll, we'll just nick all the remotes for the TVs. Um, I don't know. We'll do whatever we've got to do. Uh, whatever. Um, and we'll watch the game. And that's, that's, that's about all I can say. We'll try and get that cleared up as quickly as possible in the next few days. Um, but there yeah. will still be a meet-up in London. Oh, yeah. Either way, we're is that fair enough? That's is fair that enough. clear and confusing? Yeah, good. That is clear. Yeah, as clear as mud. So, and as well as that, so housekeeping, press box polos on sale, get in there. Baseball jerseys flying yeah. off the shelves. And by you say flying off the shelves, they're made individually for each person with so much different customization that it's not actually off the shelves. They have to be made to order. Um, so it's definitely a nice bespoke piece. You can get the slouch hats and beanie hats. We're coming into the winter. Um, it's going to be pretty chilly and frosty. You can get your membership numbers on those bad boys. Um, we have the 1919 shop, which has all the signed merch, including the likes of, you know, Bart Starr signed helmets um, and things of that nature. Rhino, what's the story with the 100 season patches? We should be nearly due to get well, those in there, right? Well, Stephen O'Brien, I am glad you've asked me um, because I had a message today 
uh, saying that they are now on the way to us. But they will be going in the shop, and as soon as they do, you'll know about them. And I have to say this, and this is not a sales pitch or any way to try and get them sold quickly, but last time around, some people sort of asked some questions, messaged in, said how, how much are they, this, that, the other, asked questions, and by time they went to buy it, they had all sold out, and that was 25. I think we got 20 coming now, because um, they are quite limited getting hold of them. Um, we got 20 coming now. As I said, it's not a sales pitch or a sales tactic in any way, but if you want one, I would get one. Yeah, because we're a fan, fan club and not a business. We can, we can only get a certain amount of stuff in, um, and that's yeah probably our final batch. Not unless these fly out in like five minutes, and then we can try to get another batch in. Um, but yeah. Um, so the trip to, to go over to Lambo uh, to see the Miami game, if you're all pumped up to see A-Rod, uh, but then there is still space. You just need to contact uh, Ben at Touchdown Trips. And by what I mean by there is still space, you can still book and the prices hopefully won't be that much more expensive, if at all, uh, depending on what Ben can do. Um, because the actual deadline closed, what's it now, maybe three weeks ago. Um, but then Ben was telling us, yes, if anybody wants to inquire, um, well, then he'll certainly do his best to get them on the trip. Um, so I guess that's it. And just to remind people that we have a podcast coming out on Thursday night, going to preview the Vikes game. And also, we're about a whisper away from a really, really savage announcement for the podcast and kind of an offer. And speaking of offers... Um, we have a page on the website and we're going to be updating it right is that um, never pay full price at NFL Europe shop we have a link on the main page in fact uh, at ukpackers.co.uk and it doesn't matter if you're a Dolphins fan we're not going to judge you based on your poor life choices if you're a Bears fan commiserations to you um, it doesn't matter what team or what apparel you want to buy on NFL Europe shop it doesn't matter if you click on the link, it automatically applies the 10% discount to your basket on NFL Europe shop. And that's something that we can't stress enough, uh, right, right now, because there's an awful lot of times that, because like, for instance, an awful lot of my relatives and, and mates and stuff like that now are NFL fans. The easiest way to sort out any type of Chris Kindle or family uh, item is to just pop onto our website, click through the link and get 10% off. And, oh, look, it's 10% mm-hmm. off. Oh, look, that's on yeah. sale and just pop something in the basket for yourself. So just not yep. to forget that. And we have more savage offers coming soon. But if you do have friends, if you do have friends that are Bears fans, I would suggest you just don't talk to them. Yeah. Or buy right? something for 10% off and just burn it in front of them. Okay. Yeah, like we set up this group to bring Packers fans together. So if some Bears fans have been brought together as well, we're not interested in that. We don't want to hear from them. No. This The same goes for Vikings fans, Lions fans, Patriots fans, Eagles fans, and, and basically anybody that isn't a Packers fan. Is that is that all right? Or is everyone welcome? Uh, well, yeah, they're welcome. Yeah, no, they have to be Packers fans. Yeah. <laughs> so for instance, I think we've thresholds, right? You can follow our Twitter, that's fine. You can follow our Instagram because we're banging out yeah. some uh, some tasty memes that look like a snack uh, and yeah. you can follow us on facebook but to get into the closed like group the yeah uh, we no like we don't browns, no, that's, that's just you because you went to that wembley game and you were covering stuff for grid iron but i don't i don't like yeah the yeah and it's i predicted last year to make the playoffs and well, it didn't go well for me that's your problem i mean you're all in now you know what i mean just oh, take I that as some cost and realize they suck. injured for most of the season so really it wasn't my fault it was miles garrett's fault but yeah i I, th- I, th- I think we've naturally ambled our way to the end of the podcast. Yeah, we've just come to a natural finish now where we're just trying to see how long we can keep people uh, listening, I guess. Yeah, we look at the stats and see who got here. Whoever does gets a like... Do you, you, know, do like you reckon it gets to this bad. point at the end of the podcast and everyone goes, yeah, that's enough, done. And no one actually listens they, to the last sort of five, six minutes of the podcast. Yeah. They're the people that come in and go, oh, you do a t-shirt? Yeah, 
Yeah, we do. It's been on the end of every yeah. single podcast. Jesus Christ. But anyway, I've been at NFL on Twitter. He's been at Ryan Peacock NFL on Twitter. Follow the group <laughs> at UK Packers. Get into Instagram, write us some tasty memes. And we'll be back on Thursday with the 10 Minute Takedown podcast and video cast on YouTube. Get following people. Till then, yeah. adios. And if you're still listening, you deserve a Jaeger. Yeah. See you in London. <laughs> week two, baby. Week.